Welcome to the Gate Drop Podcast. GateDrop.com, giving you the jump in motocross news. Hello and welcome to GateDrop.com's latest podcast. This week we're going to look at the AMS Supercross in Anaheim, the start of the European motocross season. And we're going to start with bad news, unfortunately, Jeffrey Hurlings. Looks like he's been injured today. This is Monday. A foot injury, we believe. We're not sure of the extent of that yet. But Andy, that seems a bit of a blow for Jeffrey Hurlings. I saw a bit of the Spanish action where he went 1-1 yesterday. And he looked like he was just cruising, pulling away. He made it look pretty easy. And just when it looks like he's got a winter under his belt, he hasn't been injured. And he's coming in with huge momentum from his fifth world championship. A foot injury initially makes you worried because we know how badly his foot was injured previously. So this definitely put the brakes on his World Championship aspirations in 2022. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the one blessing is I think he's injured his left foot this time and okay. the bad foot that he injured in 2019 was the right foot. So it's different foot. So he's going to have no good feet left. That's maybe the downside <laughs> so, to it. Yeah. But uh, is it really an MXGP offseason if Jeffrey Hurlings isn't getting himself in the injured injury list? Probably not. So it's it's not exactly a surprise anymore when it does happen. Uh, as, as, as brutal as that sounds, but you do have to feel sorry for the guy. Although I would love to know why he's riding a day after a Spanish championship. I sincerely hope he's doing a photo shoot or something like that. If he's sitting doing motos flat out a day after a Spanish championship. Chill out, Jeffrey. Flip me. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he had the his latest Instagram post there was showing a bright blue sky on his number one plate. 2023 mm. KTM. Everything looked fantastic. Not a cloud in the sky. And his quote was, the thunder was coming. So maybe he was actually doing a photo shoot because everything looked that's, perfect. So maybe that is what was that's, happening. That's but, what I'm hoping. But either way, it's, it's pretty much a disaster because you just want to see Hurling's fully fit. And to see if he can get back to that 2018 level after the, the way he ended last season. And now the door's open, it looks like, for the likes of Tim Geyser and Jorge Prado. We'll talk about Italy that happened on Sunday in a minute. But Jeremy Sear was looking very good there as well. A lot of guys now, this might be their chance to go for a world title again. Although they would think that anyway. But with Jeffrey Hurlings, if he does make the first round, you'd imagine he's not going to be 100%. And of course, there's the chance then he might not make the first round or first two, depending on how bad this injury is we're, we're yet to find out an official official confirmation but it's not good either way it's just how bad it's going to be really isn't it yeah well i believe there'll be more news tomorrow so that'll be tuesday and i do believe that he'll be out for at least the first round of mxgp from what i've been told tonight so i mean if he makes it back around two he missed he, he didn't score points in four motos last year and he still won the title so i don't think it'll be a massive concern if he only misses the one round but like you said, it opens the door for the other riders and they'll be even more motivated for the first round now to go out with a win and say, I'm the man. Uh, and, you know, send a message to Hurlings that when he comes back, he, they're going to be the, the man to beat. So it'll certainly be interesting. But also another point is Roman Fever is expected to race the first round, but he's not. Okay. He's going to be far from 100% <laughs> after getting that... injured in Paris. So it's not too bad if you're Jeffrey, you know, in terms of title contenders. It's probably only going to be Geyser and Prado that's 100% at Matterday. And that's two of the top three from the championship already coming in injured to the 2022 season. And obviously, Roman Feber probably comes into this as well. Probably won't be at 100% when he does come back. And Jeffrey Hurlings, the same could be for him. 
will they be able to come in straight and run, and run at the front whenever they do come back to action? The other guys will have the free first round nerves all, all out of the road whenever those two come back and uh, especially to come back fully healthy and competitive to go for those wins. So th- even when they do come back, even if Roman Fever is ready for round one, the other guys are going to have the pre-season. So there's a lot of moving parts already and we're only, what, three weeks out from the first round of the World Championship and already things are getting shaken up pretty quickly. I know drama already and the MXGP gate drop hasn't even gone yet, madness. But, I mean, we got this every week last year, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of twists and turns. And it was good to see the motocross season come back in Italy. It was great to see and long may I continue. And what were your thoughts on, on Italy? It looked like guys are in sewer with the class of the field. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. It was good to see... Uh, see them back in action and you know for an international race especially in that super final it was very exciting for four or five laps um whenever sure was leading um guys are sort of yet you, you could tell at different parts of the track guys are um was quicker and then all of a sudden Iago Gertzner's mx 2 bike was catching them for two or three laps it, it was they were locked together and then guys are pretty aggressive pass on sure and sure tried to retaliate like fair play to him so really good racing and um just uh, a look at and the, the sort of madness that we're going to get in 2022 bring it on well, it's nice to see sir well though he had his health issues last year coming in fully healthy and looks like he has the speed already you mentioned Yago Gertz there his team manager Hans Covers was talked about in, a, in an interview about how well Yago's riding and also how determined he looks at the minute to try and become world champion this year they mentioned also that the, the Americans seen how fast he was when he was, was over practicing there at the first couple of Supercross rounds on an outdoor track, obviously, and they actually wanted to sign him for U.S. Nationals. So for, for Iago to come back, put in a, a pre-season performance like he did in Italy to be running up there at the front and with the 450s, it kind of proves what, what Hans Corbers was saying, that Iago Gertz is uh, looking really good and not just on the bike, but also it looks like mentally he's very strong at the minute as well and very determined. So that's promising because we all know Tom Vial is going to be very strong as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting because going into the 2021 season, it was all about Iago Gertz and Tom Vial really. And the season didn't really pan out like that. Mm-hmm. You know, before the gate even dropped, Iago had a knee injury. Uh, and then before the second round, Vial got took out at a practice track. So you know, it'll be interesting to see if they're both fully healthy by the time round one comes, if 2022 will turn into the Iago Gertz and Tom Vial show. But I'm sure the the young, young the youngsters, up-and-coming youngsters, will have something to say about that. And just finally on Italy, anyone else that impressed you or you feel is worth a, worth a shout-out or for folks to keep an eye on this season based on yeah. the first round? Yeah, the first moto, Ruben Fernandez. <sighs> He yeah. came out of the blocks flying uh, past Sir and was actually pulling away before uh, he bent it. Uh, but I think that's probably what we're going to get from Fernandez this year. Certainly doesn't care who he's racing against. No. He kind of <laughs> reminds me of the European Jason Anderson, but maybe yeah, not really. quite as dirty. But if he sees if he sees a gap, he'll certainly go for it. Um, but at the same time, he's going to need to try and find a balance between showing the very fast speed that he has and, and keep it in two wheels because... I think he maybe crashed three times, but obviously arm pumping stuff played a part as well. And also his teammate, Hacken Fredrickson, really impressed me on the 250. Terrible starts, which he's probably going to have all season because he's such a big guy, but came through a pack really, really well. So he'll be one to keep an eye on in MX2. Uh, and I uh, really enjoyed watching the 125. Dutch kids, Kaz Vok and 
Ivano Van Arp, they were very, very impressive. They dominated that class. So yeah, they were on they, another level. They, yeah, they could dominate the MX125 championship. Yeah, Van Erp showed flashes of brilliance. Well, more than flashes of brilliance whenever he was, was on his A game. Last year in MX 125, mm-hmm. some people are maybe a bit surprised he hasn't actually went to the MX 250, such was his speed at times last year. But another year in MX 125 probably did him no harm. You, you would presume he's going to be the title favourite. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, before the weekend, he was certainly my title favourite, but yeah. Kasvok was very, very strong. I think he was actually quicker. He just, I mean, he pulled away in the second moto and had nearly a seven-second lead and he just binned it and the Mari Fantic team are really, really good working with the youngsters. So, oh, I might. The only thing is, he's not really used to winning at this level. So, that, that's his challenge going into the season. But certainly, those two are looking very, very good. Yeah, no, it certainly whets the appetites in the preseason races. And Brian Bogers on a, on Husky in Spain was also slightly mind boggling because you were still expecting him to be on the gas gas initially. So the few different colours, few different things to get used to. Obviously, Jorge Prado now will be the guy on the gas gas. So that will be a big deal as well. But Andy, let's move to AMS Supercross and a big deal. It certainly was for Eli Tomac. First win on the Star Racing Yamaha. And after not being the fastest guy, even the week before, whenever he got second, you would say Saxon and Anderson were the fastest. This time it was roles reversed and Eli Tomac was the fastest and he beat Jason Anderson and Chase Saxon. Kind of straight up, they all probably had their shot at trying to win this. And Tomac got the job done and extended his points lead because let's not forget he ended up with the red plate through his consistency, not his speed. And now it looks like he's found that speed and the rest might have to watch out now. Yeah, very interesting. I was intrigued to see what way Eli Tomac was going to react getting the red plate. If he was sort of going to keep the, the same mindset that he seemed to have had all season, which is, you know, just be consistent. But now he's got the red plate. He's, it looks like he's decided it's go time and trying to assert himself in this championship. And sometimes having the red plate does bring extra pressure, but certainly it looks to have done the trick where Eli Tomac is, and that was the definitely the best he's rode all year. Uh, got the win. He's now got a six-point championship gap, which is a biggest gap as anybody's had so far in this championship. So he'll be looking for more of that now as the season continues. Yeah, and actually he said something quite interesting. I asked him in the press conference if there was any panic from him or the team after the first couple of rounds because his riding looked quite calm and controlled and I didn't expect him to say there was, but he did say after the first round they were off more than he was expecting and there was a bit of panic. So quite interesting that, that while it looked like he was kind of being smart and calm in, in a kind of carnage situation, that actually under, underneath the scene, beneath, behind the scenes, there was actually... A bit of, oh my goodness, we need to figure stuff out pretty quickly here. Now, credit to, to Tomac and Yamaha. They have been figuring things out. Each week he's got better and better, and that's culminated in, in that victory. So there has been work going on, and there certainly it wasn't all very calm, and we're, we know what we're getting into. There was seemed to be definitely some, right, we need to figure something out quickly after round one, and they've done that, and he's just went 2-1 in the last two races. Tomac's looking like the guy to beat because... Jason Anderson's Chase Saxon now look like his two closest challengers because Cooper Webb, I don't know what happened to him last week, but this was not a very Cooper Webb performance, a mistake. He never had the speed, usually can maybe not have the speed in, in qualifying and practice and come back fighting in the main through his speed at the end of the race or whatever. But nothing really went right for Cooper Webb. And yes, you're not going to count him out of a title, but he's going to have to find something because at the minute... He doesn't have the speed, and now Tomac has the speed, Jason Anderson has the speed, and Chase Saxon looks like he has the speed. Cooper Webb has some work to do. That's one of the big takeaways from Anaheim too, I feel. 
Yeah, and I would say I would include Dylan for Anderson that too. He also has the speed, just uh, the yeah, starts are more his too. issue. But yeah, Cooper Webb, that was definitely his worst round of the of the season so far. Like you said, he didn't really have the speed all night. Usually, maybe even if he struggles the first half, there is he'll find his group for the second exactly, half. Yeah. But yeah, just not a good night for him. So he'll be looking to bounce back uh, at round five now, and he's going to have to because even though he's only twelve points down, a few more nights like that, and you know the championship can very quickly get away from you. So yeah, he's even, definitely one that has got work to do. Whereas even, maybe Anderson and Saxon have a little bit more room for Cooper doesn't really have that at the moment. Yeah, one more night like that. If Eli wins again and Webb's out of the top five, you're starting to get into 25, 26-point deficit, and that's not really where you want to be, even if there's a long time well, to go. But Webb, he's bound to be frustrated. We know he doesn't like losing, but you got to wonder... People are going to be looking at Alden Becker, but don't forget it's a new bike. So how much of this is a setup thing? Is there anything to do with Alden Becker? Is it just a sticky period for Cooper Webb trying to find form and momentum? It's hard to know, but the time's running out for him to, to find his form quick enough to be able to really go for this championship on a straight-up pace level with Eli Tomac, Tomac, Chase Saxon, and Jason Anderson. Yeah, possibly, although I wouldn't panic just yet. I mean, I, don't I felt know. like... The two out of the first three rounds were all right. Were de- were he was dead on under the circumstances. Just obviously out one round, he was sick. I think this is the first. It could have just been a bad night. We'll we'll need to see how he reacts from this. But yeah, the problem is now if with one of those guys getting on a winning run, that's that's where he needs to be concerned. But you never know what where the results have been going this year. It's they've all sort of been up and down. So it will be interesting to see now if one of Tomac, Anderson or Saxon can be consistently in the top three now. I think that's what it could hinder down to. Yeah, and that's kind of the way it looks like it's trending right now. And for Webb, I think, yeah, you're right. Don't panic after round four. But for me, round five is pivotal because yeah. if that happens again, then it's a problem. If he comes out and he gets top three and he say, beats Tomac by a position, or even if he's just up back on that pace again, then I think you think, yeah. okay, fine, he's got time to work with it. But... Round five is going to be pivotal for Cooper Webb and for Ken Roxon, Jason Anderson's been pivotal and not in a good way. He's pivoted him off the bike for the last two rounds and that was a big hit for, for Ken Roxon, who was leading. I feel a bit sorry for Ken because the last two rounds he's actually come back pretty well. He's at good speed. He was leading, obviously, the, the last round there on Saturday night and he was fairly well positioned again in the round before that and both times Jason Anderson just what, kind of wiped him out. But it, sometimes I don't feel it's as bad as maybe it looks. Roxon did leave the door open both times, mm-hmm. even in the sand there. And Anderson was quite honest in the press conference. He sort of said he didn't want to be that guy, but he is that guy. And he did, the decision to go for the pass maybe wasn't the best one. But certain ways, whenever you look at it, it looked like Anderson kind of had the lead and Roxon sort of came from the outside to try and stop it. And they just came together. Mm-hmm. For me, you would... Yeah. Be Anderson probably more to blame. I don't think Roxon you could ever blame Ken Roxon. He was just trying to fight for a position. But whether it was a straight up tech out on a kind of Justin Barsha, Justin Bogle scenario, I don't think so. I think it was more on a, an aggressive move that I don't think quite went how Anderson wanted to go because he nearly went down too. And that's not what anybody ever tries to do when they make a pass. Yeah, exactly. It looked worse in real time than what it, than what it actually yeah. was when you've seen it slow down because, like you said, it was just two lines that met. And Roxon did come across as well, which maybe Anderson wasn't anticipating. And, you know, Roxon finds himself in this situation quite a lot. 
So maybe it's down to him as well, leaving the door open every single week. You know, he's going to have to start and, you know, if there's gaps there, these riders are going to take the gaps, whether you're down, whether they leave the other rider down or not. So I would maybe be looking at rocks, start to look at rocks more than I would the other riders. Because, I mean, to be in these good positions and throw it away, I mean, he's three weeks now. He's yeah. seen himself in the ground, whether it's been crashing or takeouts, but certainly not good. And, I would, I would like to ask you though do you think Roxham I know he was leading but do you think he was riding that well I think if he had stayed on you know he could have he wasn't riding that great it was only a matter of time before Anderson passed him cleanly you know Tomac was coming Sexton was coming Dylan was coming and you know Roxham's kind of rider they can't get flustered once guys start passing them so I'm not sure he would have finished on the podium if he hadn't have crashed anyway. Now, obviously, a fourth or a fifth would have been better than 13th. Yeah. But I still don't feel like he wasn't riding his best that he usually can, like like at the first round where he was he was just phenomenal. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think, obviously, if he was riding at his, at his peak, Anderson probably wouldn't have caught him type scenario to put that pass on him. So I think there is an aspect of Roxon was in that position because Anderson was faster and was able to get close mm. enough to go for the pass. And Roxon's actually said in his uh, press uh, quotes here from Honda that he said the weekend was a nightmare and that he's been struggling with the bike setup, especially in the whoops. So that alludes to what you were saying, that mm. the absolute raw pace probably wasn't there to actually win and maybe even hold Anderson off. Now, he actually alluded to the fact that he, while he did leave the door open for Anderson, I still don't think, which you probably wouldn't be, <laughs> if somebody cleans you out in that scenario, you're not going to be too happy with Anderson. And Lars Lindstrom actually said Roxon got cleaned out by another rider. So I think there is a wee bit of tension, understandable tension there, because when it happens twice in a row, and it's not directly Kenny's fault, you're going to start looking at Anderson in that scenario. But the bottom line for Ken, unfortunately, is that he's way off on the points now, and this title is going to be difficult for him. He's now ninth in the championship. Despite, as we just said, he had two good starts in the last two rounds. And even if he'd had a went 5-5, at least he would have been there thereabouts. Exactly. I mean, championship looks... I mean, he's going to have to come out and win, you would think, the next two or three at least to even get himself back in it, But which he's certainly capable of doing. But it's going to be very, very difficult. It really is. 23 points 23, down. Yeah. He can't really afford to lose much else. Uh, to at least Tomac, you know, in the next two or three races. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm sure he'll be very, very motivated and um, and he'll be looking to stand on the top step of that podium again, especially as he'll probably feel um, with the takeouts and stuff, things certainly haven't been going his way. Yeah, I feel this was the round where before it was always carnage and unpredictable who's going to win, who wasn't. Now it looks like those top three, Tomac, Sexton and Anderson, are starting to really establish themselves. And it's about who can go with them. And also... Who can stop Tomac? Because he has actually extended his lead. He's a six-point lead now over Chase Sexton. Sexton and Anderson, if you just look at the top three, they aren't going to want Tomac to start eking away these points, even if it's two or three a week, if they're all going to be on the podium. Now, you, you obviously have a Ken Rocks and they can win a race at any time. Cooper Webb, he's going to have to make things happen in the next round or two, or he could get left behind from that top three. And everyone else now, you start to wonder, can they win, really win races straight up if Anderson... Saxon and Tomac are going to keep running this pace so that this sort of plethora of riders that all seem fairly similar in speed and that have one good week, one bad week, that's maybe starting to change now and we're starting to see a pattern of the real title contenders. Possibly, possibly. But like we were saying before, Ed, too, nobody 
not one rider had finished all races in the top five. So even though those three do look to be, you know, rising to the top now, it only takes one bad weekend for things to escalate the other way again, and especially in this championship. So it will be interesting. I think if the if the top three now can, you know, get top five the next two weeks, I think then certainly they'll definitely the championship yeah. will start to reflect. But it'll be I think the next two weeks are going to be pretty pivotal in this championship chase. And also one rider I wouldn't rule out is Dylan Ferrandis. He had an absolute disaster of a first round. And, you know, he's only 15 points off the championship. Apart from Tomac, who also had a bad first round, Dylan hasn't really lost points to anybody else. You know, he's only he's only seven points off. No. He's 21 back. About nine. Is it not only 15 off the off the lead? But he's only like nine points off second. So considering the start of the season he had, that's not bad at all. No, I think he's 21 back of Tomac. Maz has never been my strong point, though. But from what I can see, Ferrandez. Okay, I thought he was 15. Still not amazing. But as you say, he's had a 16th. So if you give him eight points there, eight, nine, ten points extra, which would have been around top five, which is probably where he should be, then yeah, he, w- he would be right in it. Still not the end of the world. But you feel like for Ferrandez, he's going to have to start winning races to really be taken seriously. It's all right being fast. But if you're not getting the starts and coming back to the top five, I don't think the likes of Tomac, Anderson and Saxon are really going to be too worried about him until he can start putting wins and starts together. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. So it will, it will be interesting to see how it goes. But I think considering the, the start of the season he had, he's coming back well. So it's so just yeah, important for him well. to stay yeah. consistent now and getting those starts. That's what it's all about for Dylan because everybody knows that that's his weak link. But if he can get starts, you know, top five, he'll certainly be a force to be reckoned with, I think, because... I feel like he's the one that probably has the speed of everybody else if he can get out of that gate. And just a shout out to Dean Wilson. Pretty impressive for him, ninth. He said he's been riding well in the off-season. He just hasn't felt he's got that performance in him for, for the race yet or at least been able to deliver on how he's feeling so good in the bike. This week, I feel he, he did ride pretty well, ninth. Good for him. Shane McElrath, he's got progressively better as the season went on. He's, he got a tenth. And Max Ansley just outside there in 11th. So the Brits are doing well too in the top 11 and uh, AMS Supercross 450 class is uh, pretty impressive for me. And obviously Shane McElrath, we saw him at the start of the year get the starts and kind of go backwards, although he had a good first few laps. It looks like he's now settling into the season as well and starting to show his true form across the 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, Anstey, I did say last week, he's getting close to this top 10 and he's, he and he's went one spot closer <laughs> again. So he's... He's getting there in a couple of weeks. You'd think if you know when somebody gets injured or whatever, he'll, he'll probably be in that top ten, which is really good considering he's, he's shown a lot of a lot of progress. Another rider that impressed me actually was Brandon Hart Hartraft, twelfth. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. good, pretty good. So. He goes quite under the radar, but yeah. definitely a twelfth. Twelfth for him was good. Malcolm Stewart fifth. Talking of going under the radar, I feel that's where he is at the minute. Mm. He's riding good. He's getting. Good, consistent results. He's in that mid-top 10 all the time. Just looks like he's missing that extra wee bit to, to really go at the, the very front of the pack. But still, he's putting the points on the board. And Marvin must come sixth. I think after what happened the week before to go from first, I think it was 10th. Sixth isn't a bad rebound. It shows he's, he was able to get his mind together again for for this week. And when you're battling and around with those guys, that's that's still no disgrace. He beat Justin Barsha and Cooper Webb. So a decent, if maybe slightly unspectacular, Come back from what looked to be a bit of a mental unraveling for Marvin Musk on a week ago. 
Yeah, just on Stuart, it's funny when we talk about consistency, Stuart's probably been one of the more consistent riders. You know, most weeks he has been around that fifth place mark, but unfortunately to actually challenge for a title, you need to, you know, win or if you if you can't win, even get on that podium. But he is knocking on the door like and considering how under the radar he's been for him only to be 15 points off the championship lead isn't bad at all. If he can just try and get get a get a, at least a podium or a win, you know, you can't rule him out. But he'll certainly be happy with the season he's been having so far. And Musquin, you're right, he needed a, the, just the rebound this weekend, really, after the, the mental collapse the week before. So steady Eddie, sixth, will do the job and hopefully help his confidence heading in for the rest of the season now. Yeah, and the next round, of course, as I think is the Triple Crown at Phoenix. So there'll be three main events, as it were. None, none of the heat races. So that could change things up. You can maybe afford a, mm-hmm. a bad moto. And if you've come back with two two other good finals, that'll probably salvage, salvage your day. So that'll mix things up. You might get the guys who maybe don't have the fitness to do 20 minutes at the pace of a Tomacker or Anderson or Saxon. They could get in amongst it as well, especially on, on the first, first main event. So it's something different. I quite like these triple crowns intermittently put through the season. It just spices things up, makes things a bit different, and it gives the riders something extra to think about and maybe different strategy, especially in, in the third moto if they're trying to ride for an overall or if they have to go for broke to make up uh, points back on their rivals. Exactly. Yeah, I am a, I am a fan of the triple format, so it definitely will add another element, to it, let's say. So it'll be interesting to see. And um, I think the tracks get even more challenging when it's a triple format too which is always a plus I feel so certainly be interesting so it will who's your money on this week yeah it's hard to know because the, the guy who I've could win been, the overall I've might not actually, mightn't actually uh, win a race uh, <laughs> I've been wrong every week so far because I'm just going for the, the outsiders chance so I think I'll be born this week and say Anderson yeah, I, I'm gonna go Sexton Sexton fair enough the starts are quite good not a bad shout Probably not by either of them then. No, probably not. <laughs> probably yeah. Barsha this week. I said him last week. Finished seventh. Yeah, Barsha, if he gets away, he's got that explosive. And all, even Ken Roxon, if he can avoid getting, if he can look in his <laughs> mirrors and notice Anderson is around him and then not go wide, that could probably help yeah. him. That's actually one yeah. of the things about Roxon. I think I said it last week as well, but is he too nice? And you mentioned he left the door open. Is he riding a race that he maybe needs to start thinking how other riders would? do in their mind instead of just racing in his own mind you know because he maybe wouldn't have made that move Anderson made but it doesn't mean Anderson's not going to make that move so exactly. going wide thinking think- I wouldn't make that move so Jason Anderson maybe isn't the way to think he maybe needs to start thinking about Justin Barsha or Jason Anderson behind him and you need to be wary because I think Ken Roxon is kind of too nice on track at times yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head there like to be honest Oh, I thought you were going to give us more no, insight. No, that, nothing more just, to say. If you've you hit the nail on the head. Right, well, <laughs> well, then we'll move on then. That was great from you. 250 class quickly. Christian Craig, it looked like he'd give everyone a bit of hope. He'd third last week, despite a great ride from the back. Mm. Then he had that crash in practice, and then he didn't get the start, and Moseman was leading. And then in the end, it didn't matter. Christian Craig still did what he had to do to get the race win. Hunter Lawrence couldn't get the second. He got third. So that gives Craig an 11-point lead. Moseman actually was a good wee buffer there for Christian, and it's very hard to see unless he has a disaster now how Christian Craig can lose this championship because last two weeks the other guys had their shot and Craig's kind of ended that back on top. 
that's it. Although if he is going to lose it, that's probably going to be the way um, he will lose it. That that, that crash in Presta, yeah. pretty lucky to walk yeah. away from that one. So he's used one of his nine lives anyway. Um, but yeah, on the track, he's just superior to the rest in that class. So impressive to watch. But at the same time, looking forward to seeing him moving up to the 450s to see what he can do. I think he he could he could surprise in a 450. I really do. Yeah, I'd really like to see him on a 450 on a round this year, just with the confidence and form that he has at the minute. I mean, his whoop speed was was fantastic yet again. Exactly. And then you've seen what happened with Vince Freeze and the unlucky Joe Shimoda, who just, even if he's riding good, Joe, it seems to go wrong for him, even if he doesn't do anything wrong. Wrong place, wrong time for him. And, and another crash for a guy that, doesn't really crash except this season. It seems to be going all wrong for him. <laughs> Kenny's probably know, more a, crashes this year than maybe his whole yeah. career combined, it feels like. Yeah, it's amazing the difference a year can make sometimes. You know, yeah. Shimoda, everything was just, everything was grand, so smooth, always looked in control. And even this year, when it's not his fault, things are still going wrong. It's uh, it's amazing the differences an off-season and a season can make sometimes when there is expectation on your shoulders. But this, he'll be able to learn from this for the future, so it, it'll make him a better rider, I think. Yeah, I think, as you said, this is probably one of his biggest learning curves, kind of a painful painful way to do it, but he's shown the consistency, and now he's trying to find that wee bit extra speed, and that balance is looking like it's a wee bit tough for him at the minute. But that's Supercross wrapped up with Triple Crown next week. We'll have more international motocross next week. It means it's very busy. Lots to watch, lots to keep an eye on, and lots of stories unfolding in every scenario. And again, we'll have this Jeffrey Hurlings situation, unfortunately, which for me, and despite all the racing this weekend, that is the, the big downer. And it's just coming tonight there, just before we recorded this podcast. So definitely that's been a downer on, on the, the whole weekend. And Hurlings, let's hope it isn't that it isn't too bad and he can still contend for this title because the last thing you want is all these top guys' injuries dictating who wins the championship. You want to see it on the track and the fastest and the best guy to win it. That's it. That's what it's all about. But uh, and of course, it happens the same day that we book the flights to Matterday. That could only happen. Yeah, you uh, book the flights. Then yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened to me one other time before too. Book flights to Lama one year, and then the same day, Hurdings injured out. Great. Probably, probably should. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh well, I would go anyway. It's it's uh, MXGP at the end of the day, so it'll and um, hopefully he just misses the one round. If he misses the one round, it makes it even more exciting. So. Well, yeah. Last year, the excitement was just unbelievable. You have that with Hurlings. He wasn't supposed to ride in Holland with the shoulder braid, and he still did. So mm-hmm. with Jeffrey yeah. Hurlings, you never quite know what he'll do whenever he puts his mind to something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely not the news you wanted to just on the eve of a brand new World Championship season. But that's unfortunately the way it goes. And in Jeffrey Hurlings' life, it's definitely the way it seems to go, unfortunately <laughs> for him. Um, but yeah, so we'll have to digest that news. Still look forward to the season. Plenty of racing to come, and you never know, it might be another Hurlings comeback, last moto, last lap, last corner type fight again, because it looks like he's going to have some points to make up on the likes of Tim Geyser and Jorge Prado. Okay, that's enough talking for another weekend. <laughs> and I'll speak to you next weekend after the Supercross, and then it's Hawksone and Matterley. Some exciting outdoor action again after a winter of um, indoor racing. So I'll speak to you then. All the best, and um, don't jinx any more riders, please. <laughs> Good night. Night.